0: ever heard of anticipation build up getting built up pretty big i hear the uh, crackle and drag lead in groove there
1: yeah oh there
0: it is it's
2: it's,
1: this is dark side of the moon (laughs) this is a trick
0: (laughs) switch the labels Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, amateur Pavlovian response generator, Jeremy Ruggles.
3: I am suffering a Pavlovian Chicago food response right now. We're in Chicago. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. I
0: was literally thinking about that a second ago. Like, when do I introduce the location and the fact that we drove hours and hours just to talk to this special guest we'll be introducing shortly.
3: Ooh, there's a special guest here? We'll get to that. will be shortly. I'm
0: also joined by my other regular co-host, cybernetic pessimist, Peter Cook. Nah. <laughs> yeah, the, the guest with the, the buildup, the super special guest that we've driven halfway across the Midwest talk to today (laughs) late night talk show host accelerationist
4: Scott this is all true I'm happy to be here prepare to be disappointed
0: (laughs) would you like to tell us just a little bit about yourself before we dive in on this record you picked out
4: sure yeah my name is Scott Schaff. I uh, own pinwheel records here in Chicago we've been here coming up on five years now we're in the Pilsen neighborhood on the south side and we, I guess, our goal is to be the least pretentious record store that you've been to, but not a bad record store.
0: Okay, I was about to say. I've There's been to my some, sales pitch. I've been you to know? some very non-pretentious, filthy record stores, so you, you are striking a good balance from what I'm seeing. You know, so it, it kind of
4: seems like the most. Thank you. It seems like the most pretentious stores are the stores that I like can't find anything in anyway. So sure. I don't know.
0: Sure. And Chicago has plenty of those. From there's my experience. well, there's
4: there's a lot of great record stores here in Chicago. We're really lucky that so many of us can coexist and kind of do our thing and, and be friends.
1: Is so. that back wall? I'm seeing some pretty hot titles: Stereo Lab, Emperor, Tomato Ketchup. And Towns Van Zant, Frank Zappa, Hot Rats, but is that the extent of it? Everything else is common, inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered.
4: You know, it's funny you mention that because yes, we our entire store is made up of copies of Sports by Huey Lewis and the News. We're sitting
1: right next to that section right now. For you (laughs) listeners at home, there is at least I would say twenty copies of. Sports by Huey Lewis and the News, sitting right here at an end cap
3: dedicated to it. Yeah, it's not just that there's a lot of copies. It's like a full shelving unit that is dedicated to Huey Lewis and the News sports. And our co-host, our special guest host, is wearing a Huey Lewis and the News shirt. And I believe in his grips, he
0: has brought us. A copy of Bachman Turner Overdrive, four wheel drive. (laughs) (laughs) I would would never. I would never.
3: It's Huey Lewis in the news.
4: And it's sports. Indeed. Indeed. Arguably, not even arguably, without a doubt, the greatest American rock record of the last 40 years. Wow.
0: Old. Now, see, in the car on the way over listening to this, because I'd never actually listened to the album all the way through, I believe I classified it as Budget Bruce
4: Springsteen. Well, did you see that episode of The Office? No. Where, do you guys watch that show at all? I did, okay. many years I'm ago. i bet a few of our listeners yeah. have heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> My entire personality is just built around that that show, I suppose. Without, it's not spoiling this episode came out 10 years ago. Steve Carell, Michael Scott, is trying to give away Bruce Springsteen tickets as a, as a prize, like a fundraiser prize. He tells the guy who's kind of serving as the DJ for the event here are my favorite Huey Lewis songs. Or I'm sorry, here, here are my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. And they're all Huey Lewis songs. And then and then I think it's uh Short People by Rainey Newman. Those are those are his favorite favorite Springsteen songs. That's perfect. So you're not you're not alone in, okay. in that. Yeah. Let's And, and that hear was an it.
0: honest opinion too. I've literally never seen that episode of The Office. Wow. We're onto something. Wow. Let's hear it. Let's hear you know. those hot
3: Springsteen tracks. <laughs> so
0: uh you wanted to hear the the opening track on this album
4: well yeah i think i think it's the it's certainly the best place to start the heart of rock and roll all right let's drop that needle
3: pretty iconic track from the greatest rock and roll record of the past 40 years american american Yeah.
2: That I'd rather be. Where else can you do a half a million things? All at a quarter to three. When they play their music, ooh, that modern music.
0: Aside from my uh, derogatory Bruce Springsteen comparison, I, I must say I'm kind of liking this. I mean, I, I, kinda, I had to hear it from all the way in the back seat of the car on the way over, so the fidelity was not quite there. And you were overheating. Yeah, it was, it was a real trip. The uh, car seat was like the ceiling of the car was a little too low. Like, my neck was hurting. I was uncomfortable. I couldn't fully absorb the nuances. Of this record on the trip.
1: There's actually a lot of things I'm hearing on this record that you often like in music, Sean.
0: It's got some elements that I could dig. I was also making some positive comparisons to Elvis Costello in the trip (laughs) over. I'm definitely hearing a lot of that kind of power pop vibe going on.
4: We're going to have to come back to that because I've got a lot to say about that. Ooh, Ooh, foreshadowing. Yes. Okay.
1: So you were telling us while we were listening to that, Scott, that it's not a nostalgia record for you
4: no 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 so this record came out in 1983 which is the year that i was born my parents certainly didn't own this record and i seem to recall my dad having some actually like kind of negative things to say about Huey lewis whenever his songs would come on the radio so i was never like a, a big fan or anything i want to say it was probably around college i uh bought you know i'd just go to ucd stores all the time and buy I couldn't stream everything you know like we can now so uh, I found a greatest hits Huey Lewis greatest hits and got into it and ended up you know seeing him at a county fair in Iowa and like oh this is great like this is fun I'm tired of going to shows where you know oh we're all here because Pitchfork just gave this, this this band's new record a good review let's out cool each other Going to see Huey Lewis in the news, it's like, no, this is just, we're just going to have fun. You don't need to worry the about Tony all that. Yeah, Iowa. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of bringing it back to the store. We are not the cool store. We are not the cool people I own own the shop with my girlfriend, Kim. We're just dorks that like music, that like records. Huey Lewis like fits in perfectly for us. Well, for me, Kim is not a fan. So, <laughs> and you know, we've got this sports section, and I want to say I think the last count we did was about forty-five copies. So don't that don't you dare sell us short. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I may have been doing that. I realize. <laughs> but poor Kim is get you know gets stuck answering questions about the sports section every day. You know, I signed. I, this is my idea. I will own it. I will answer the dumb questions. I mean, of course, people are going to ask about it. How could they not? So I'm happy to answer those questions. But Kim just, oh, yeah, well, Scott, the other guy here, he thought this would be a good idea. So <laughs> I don't it, know.
1: Is it a photo op? Is it like a th- a, an attraction to people? You
4: know, it, it has become that. So the idea was, in all honesty, when we opened the shop about five years ago now, we didn't have enough records to open a record store we just ran out of time it's like we've got to open the doors now so god bless anybody who came into the store the first month first year that we were open and continues to come in today now that we're maybe kind of a real record store now <laughs> got like we've got an empty bin what are we going to do i was like well you know i do love this record sports and every collection that we buy It doesn't matter if it's a rock collection or a soul collection, you know, whatever kind of the focus is. This record sold nearly 10 million copies. Everybody, you know, this and Thriller, like you're going to find those records. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of became like, well, people are going to, people are going to, it's going to be a joke to a lot of people. People are going to ask questions. It probably will maybe become a photo op. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously. Again, we're not the cool record store. Let's do a sports section. Why not? And uh, it took on a life of its own. One of the, I think coolest sports section related things that's happened here in the store is, I'll plug my other, my my friend Jim's podcast uh, called Vinyl Emergency. That's mostly a focus on vinyl, but just music and, and life in general, I suppose. He had Jeff Babco on the show. You probably, you maybe haven't heard of Jeff, but Jeff is a session musician out in LA. He's played with, with everybody. He's also in Jimmy Kimmel's house band on Jimmy Kimmel's show. Okay. Jeff was on tour with Steve Martin, and Martin Short mm-hmm. playing piano with them and he stopped in Chicago or was the stop was in Chicago so he came through uh, the shop and he saw the sports section and he's like hey does uh does Huey Lewis know about this and i said well you know one time somehow their social like their twitter account found out about it and posted about it i know Huey Lewis has nothing to do with that but i don't know maybe he heard about it i don't know he's like well i just recorded with him for his record that actually just came out a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, he's on the promo. He's, he he's is, touring yeah. right now. So this
4: is perfect timing. You know, yeah. I know this is going to come out a little bit later, but there's a lot of, a lot of Huey Lewis-related content out there right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just saw him on the What's in My Bag series. That oh, Miva yeah. Records
4: does. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Jeff had, had just played with him, and his I guess Huey's son works on the Kimmel show as well. So their paths are crossing all the time. So he's like, well, I'm just going to text him. So he's in the story. He texts Huey Lewis. He's like, hey, do you know about this? Sends a picture. And uh, I, Huey responds like immediately. He's like, no, but I love this.
3: <laughs>
4: so that, uh, that, was, that was a pretty big moment for yeah. us. And uh, we eventually, I want to say maybe a month later, got a call from uh, Johnny Cola, the guitarist from Huey Lewis. He said, uh, hey, I'm looking for the owner here. And uh, he's all business. And I was like, yeah, that's me. He's like, well, I understand you're a huge Huey Lewis fan, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. He's like, well, I got a new record that just came out. I'm sending you copies. I don't care what you do with them, but I, you need to have them here in your store. Like, all right, let's go. So he sent a really nice note. And uh, we're inching closer to Huey Lewis, hopefully, stopping by the store sometime. Yeah. Ooh. Apparently, some pinwheel swag did make it to him. So nice. maybe in one of these photo ops, we'll see him wearing a pinwheel shirt. Fingers crossed. Okay.
3: Well, we've been waiting to surprise you. Behind that curtain.
0: He's been sitting in the back of the car (laughs) for the last hour and a half waiting for the introduction. (laughs) Come uh, in, Huey. <laughs> so on the day that Huey Lewis comes to do an in store for you, will you take a hard style photo with him in front of the bins? as the two of you? Oh, there's no question. Okay, yeah, cool, yeah. That's good. That's that's the only question I had. I think we can be done with this episode. All right, great, good. <laughs> I've got a store to open. Check out later.
3: sports. <laughs> what and attracted you to this album? I, I mean, you said that it kind of matches your style or whatever or your vibe. Like what specifically about this album got you?
4: You know, there's, I I can't say that there's a lot of records like this in my collection that I consistently go back to. It's just a fun record. It's also got kind of an interesting history uh, or uh, the Huey Lewis and and the news have an interesting history. So you mentioned Elvis Costello. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because, uh, and I don't, you maybe already know this, you guys might already know this. So on Elvis Costello's first record, my aim is true his backing band is members of a band called clover clover was huey Lewis's one of his first bands mm. now huey lewis doesn't play on that record but members of the news who went on to be on sports and all these records played on that record okay so huey lewis has this weird cred that i think a lot of people aren't familiar with he played he was friends with phil Lynott from thin lizzie mm-hmm. played on the live and dangerous record he was in their touring band for at least a couple of years. Whoa. Those dudes were buddies. He uh, so that they certainly appeared together and had kind of mutual admiration for each other he also are you guys familiar with this punk band from san francisco in the mid to late 70s called crime
1: that sounds familiar i can't say i know their music okay
4: and i'm not trying to put you on the spot mm. or anything that's not my goal here at all <laughs> yeah. real good real good punk band one of their shticks was uh, they all dressed as cops they've got some great stuff that is totally worth checking out kiwi lewis produced one of their records this is pre obviously pre pre news pre any sort of fame and uh it's like punk it's nothing like what you're hearing on this record or anything they put out and he wrote a song that Dave Edmonds recorded on one of his records like Huey's kind of done a little bit of everything and he's certainly a bit of a joke to a lot of people and I get that you know the American Psycho thing uh his, I hear about that every day oh so you must be a big fan of that movie in that book huh like, oh god here we go
1: <laughs> Brett Easton Ellis
4: yeah yeah but yeah dude has some legit cred i think people maybe don't uh, don't realize that sorry you're getting a cameo from marco the shop cat here <laughs> well
1: we uh, normally have uh, orson our, the dog making little appearances on our podcasts so true well do we want to let's play another jam yeah do you have another jam you want to play to get a little a further feeling for this record
4: absolutely i think we got to ne- jump to uh, i want a new drug who uh or which Ray Parker Jr liked so much that he decided he'd blatantly rip it off and throw it on the Ghostbuster soundtrack.
1: Okay. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs>
3: had listened to this whole album by itself but on the way here when we were listening i knew like pretty much every song on it because i grew up listening to classic rock radio Mm -hmm. so unlike sean i was familiar with pretty much every song um you had a normal
1: experience in the world
3: yeah and i (laughs) didn't i guess i didn't realize they were all from the same album i just assumed it was like a mattering of Huey Lewis songs over like a decade that I was hearing but they're all on this album
4: certainly most of them yeah and uh, there's nine tracks on this record and I mean you could argue that eight of them are hits not all of them were released as singles I think there were four singles released on this record but again I'm born in 83 so it's maybe weird for me to say but this just kind of sounds like the 80s right I mean you know a bunch of these songs you know the production is very huey has been interviewed again a lot recently and he's been quoted as saying something to the effect of the production on this record was copied. like they kind of invented a production style that was copied an awful lot for the next few years or for a good portion of the 80s. And I think you can kind of hear it and that's why, you know, it sounds like the 80s to me. Yeah. And that's not always a good thing. But I think overall, again, this is a fun record. This is not going to change anybody's life. This is not going to change music. It's not... It's not trying to make any sort of political statement, obviously. It's just a fun record. They're a bar band, a good bar band. Were they
1: considered like pub rock or not quite that?
4: They, well, they were Clover more so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's where Elvis Costello and Dave Edmonds and they were kind of related to, they were in the stiff records world. Huey did an interview recently where uh, he was saying they were. They went out to London to try to hit it big and like the day they landed was the day that the Sex Pistols, Johnny Rotten spits on the NME reporter and like Punk takes off and is like, oh, well, we kind of messed up this timing, you know? So.
3: <laughs> True. Out of curiosity, are they very intentionally trying to invoke cheers on this cover or is that?
4: So this is the 2 a.m. bar in uh, I think it was Mill Valley, California. So this is a, a bar that they played at fairly regularly. I don't know what year Cheers debuted.
1: Around that same time, maybe yeah, a couple yeah. years earlier even, I'm
4: not positive. We'll just assume that Cheers ripped off Huey Lewis. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> the whole deal. theme, you know. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is
1: it a photograph or is it a rendering of sorts the quality of it almost makes it look like well the fact that they're all everything's in focus in the foreground and the background maybe
4: i think it's a photo that they affected pretty dramatically but i don't know i'm not positive on that unfortunately can you text huey and find out you know what (laughs) i'll text jeff and jeff will be my middleman here yeah yeah
1: (laughs) there's definitely a working class vibe going on though
4: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think that's part of the success. He's a handsome guy. He is the band. Let's be real. I mean, everybody knows the band. You're, n- you're not going to name any other members of the news and you're not supposed to. He was the face of some ad campaigns. When Michael Jackson got signed by Pepsi, Coca-Cola immediately came to Huey Lewis like, hey, you're our guy. And uh, he's like, yeah, no thanks. But, uh, you know, he had to deal with Levi's and like he's an every man. He's a good looking guy. And I think the working class thing, like they have a track on the record prior to this called Picture This called Working for a Living, which was a hit. It's the Springsteen sort of thing, but not at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we did, as Sean mentioned at the top, he was making the Springsteen comparisons, but being kind of on the lighter side of that, obviously Springsteen was still singing the truths and the sort of the underrepresented messages and I don't get that from any of this music.
4: Oh no, no. I mean, this is the same band that uh, wrote a song called We're not here for a long time, we're here for a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so, if that's, uh I think that sums up their their it's ethos pretty nicely. And your profiles yeah. ever since. Yo, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for me.
0: It oh, did not. Lord. It did not. Yeah, they're not here to expose any dark sides of industry or anything. It's always no. having a good time, working for the weekend. And the production really
3: doesn't match that vibe either like you said they kind of invented a new production style and it's a hyper clean very perfectly timed you don't get the feel that this was like done by human beings all like jamming together airtight very yeah airtight
4: yeah, there. And I'm not a musician. I'm not a producer. But there was a drum machine. I think that they discovered right before this record came out, and they kind of became the band became obsessed with it. That plays a huge role in this record. I mean, there's a drum machine all over the place. There's very little actual bass. It's a lot of synth bass. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which is funny because they are such like a, a bar rock band, and they're very. They put out a record six, seven years ago called Soulsville that's all covers of Stax songs. Like They live for 60s, 70s soul. They've got a really tight band, but when you listen to this record, yeah, so much of it is very computer and, and synthy. You
1: know, when I watched the What's in My Bag Amoeba Records thing with Huey Lewis in the News, I was surprised how you know he was very well versed in a lot of great stuff and, and, you know his knowledge and stuff he had done that i think came up in there i don't think since uh duff mckagan's episode have i been so surprised by a musician right right <laughs> no right. idea that duff mckagan was so in the punk movement before joining guns and roses
4: <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of dudes with punk cred yeah.
0: yeah absolutely i did pick up on a little bit of the soul vibes when we were listening to it though yeah you know, it's it's like just thinly layered on top of the the very clean production, but you can tell there's like you keep saying it's a fun record, but it, it felt like a very genuinely fun record. Like they were having a good time doing it and really enjoyed the product that they were making. I definitely was picking up on that. And yeah, you can tell in some of the vocals on a few of these tracks that it's it's definitely informed by soul. It's it's not just a super clean label. Oriented uh, machine-made kind of record,
1: and I think that might be why it, it hits so hard that it spoke to as many people as it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's you can be kind of a person that doesn't know a whole lot of music and have, you know have this album with all these. Var- we also noted just how varied all the tracks were. Like they kind of be seem to be hitting a lot of different facets of music. So I think this for your everyday person that isn't like a music obsessive, this album kind of runs the gamut.
4: Yeah, there's a Hank Williams cover on this record. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, there was yeah, the country one and there was like you said a soul one. It felt like they he touched on like almost a new genre for every song.
4: And that was by design. Their goal was to we're going to put out a record that has a bunch of hits and we're going to try to cover as many bases as possible. They weren't sure after their last record, which you know had some some minor hits on it that I think have probably gotten bigger as time has gone on. They weren't sure that they were going that this record was going to put out they're going to get put out there was a concern that the label was going to swoop in and steal the master tapes like after every recording session huey would take the master tapes home and like throw them under his bed that was the thing you know because he didn't want to lose the master tapes you know chrysalis or whoever at the time decided up oh, we're gonna this is ours now we'll figure out what to do with it but i think there was a lot of pressure maybe from the label but also themselves to put out a record with a bunch of hits. And it's hard to disagree that they didn't succeed. You know, this is they, they certainly succeeded. True. Should we hear another track? Hear some of that hot success? Man, one of my favorites of all time, If This Is It. <laughs>
1: When we we listened to this on the way here because i don't know that any of us had ever dedicated sitting down and listening to this entire record before coming to do this so we listened to, in the car together and i commented that that gave me a similar vibe to the doing it all for my baby song which i wasn't even aware
3: was also huey lewis
4: there you go yeah <laughs> yeah there's some consistency there That's
3: okay. you were saying that he was big on the MTV as MTV came into existence.
4: Yeah, so the video for that particular song was huge. They did like a lot of jokey videos, you know, they were as you can probably tell just by listening to this record, they certainly didn't take themselves too seriously and that was I think part of the charm and part of the reason they were so successful. But yeah, this record came out, you know, as MTV is blowing up. They were an MTV band. That video is them on the beach, you know, chasing a pretty girl in a bikini. The members of the band are buried up to their heads in sand. Well, Huey Lewis is out there crooning. It was comedic. It was funny. You know, people liked it. And something else, you know, we've talked about how every song kind of seems to be a hit. I've been hearing a lot of people coming into the store that are a little bit older than me. Like, hey, that's this first album that I bought with my own money. That's and, you know, and these are folks that have cool taste or whatever. You know, turn me on to stuff that I'm into or that I become into. And that was like their touchdown, that's their jumping off point was sports, which I think is really cool. Yeah,
1: one of the first albums I ever bought on my own accord was Boys to Men, Cooley High Harmony on cassette.
4: And, <laughs> and I think the second tape that I bought with my own money was Boys to Men too.
1: Yeah, the I'll Make Love to You and uh, with all those on bended Knee.
4: All those songs <laughs> that every 11 year old really loves and can relate to blast and i'll make love to you as an 11 year old man i really understood that song you know yeah
1: understood all the themes yeah
4: yeah oh yeah yeah this is finally something that speaks to me
0: in regards to what you're saying about you know supposedly cool people admitting to liking this record i feel like there has finally been a movement away from the concept of the guilty pleasure and people are finally allowing themselves to just admit that they like things and not have to quantify it or make excuses for it, Uh, which is the way we're trying to ride with this podcast is to convince cool people to admit that they have uncool tastes sometimes. And that's okay. We're all going to collectively work through it together. (laughs) You know, and that's, that's
4: so important to me and so important to what we're doing here at the store. You know, I mean, we've all been to those, those record stores where you're kind of sheepishly bringing the record up to the counter. Hope he doesn't say anything. Hope he doesn't judge me. Let's get out of here and yeah. you know, get on. <laughs> yeah, I, it's always
1: a he that you hope oh, doesn't judge. It's, <laughs> it's,
4: it's, all the bad record store culture stuff is dude-driven. There's no question about it. We're the worst. We just it, there's there's no getting around it. But that's it goes against everything that we stand for here. I love it when it, it's always, every once in a while. You know, somebody will be like, "This isn't for me." I don't care i love this record i'm glad you're buying it good for you you know yeah. oh but no it's it's for a friend it seriously it's it's okay you know i don't mind i don't mind and and the, the guys that will and again it's always guys they're buying marquee moon and they're buying you know entertainment gang of four and then you know at the bottom of the stack is is sports It's like hey you're in a safe place man it's okay <laughs> Well, it does answer a question I had is, do you actually
0: allow people to buy copies of sports? Or I display only? celebrate it, my friend.
4: <laughs> no, it's it's always fun. And so many times I've I've had people say either I already own this record, but I feel like I have to buy it here mm-hmm. or I don't own this record yet. This is definitely the time to buy it, which is very flattering. And I know kind of the theme of this podcast is cheaper, underappreciated records. Again, this record sold 10 million copies. I I think it's probably, at least in the 80s, certainly appreciated just fine. I'm sure people got sick of it. I have no doubt that uh, when you have six or seven hits on one record, you're, okay, I don't need to hear any more Huey Lewis. It's funny that this record, I don't know why, I don't know how, I guess we'll take credit for it, but all of a sudden it's become kind of an expensive record it's, it is trending that way yeah i feel like we might somehow be responsible for that not not in like oh these guys have figured out that this is a cool record i think we've just dried up the supply of sports records yeah. And so now yeah so now you've to got to pay that, a premium
3: you're about to get the i'd buy that bump too that's going to keep pushing up this record price yeah oh, once so the podcast are wide net <laughs> yeah the copies are going to get more scarce I mean I would think 10
0: million copies might make it immune though to such movements in the market. Fingers crossed. You would be surprised because like they made more copies of Thriller and a good condition of Thriller is $20 and up now. It's absurd. Oh easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: because just because everybody bought it does, doesn't mean they actually took care of it, you know. Yeah. I can't tell you how many really awful copies of of Thriller have come through this oh my come God. through yeah. the store. I can't do anything with this, mm-hmm. you know. This yeah. was this was very well appreciated and then some. Yeah.
1: But there's other albums, I guess they're a little earlier, that almost every song is a hit. I would say Boston's first album would fall under that category. Everyone wants to hear about that album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Cars first record is most, I think there's a couple tracks, Deep Cuts, but how do those price, are those all pretty much like 5 to $7 no, records? Those are, to...
0: those are going up too. Are they? Yeah, the Boston and Cars, like the, the first record, those are like $15 albums in really good shape
4: now yeah i'd say that uh i think most copies of the car's first record which is a, another wonderful record mm-hmm. about 10 bucks here in our store which might be a little cheap but that boston record i don't see as often and yeah that's that's definitely hovering around 15 dollars and really nice is shape it really out. yeah yeah
1: the, fir- the first boston record yeah wow. yeah
0: And and this is all within the last five to 10 years like those, those were all $3 records
4: 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I those mean, are, I think my cop, my first copy of Sports was probably three bucks. Yeah, definitely.
0: You know? and sports, though, is still on the cusp. It's easy to find it cheap. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. record stores that know what they're doing aren't going to have it priced up, but you can still find it in dollar bins if, if that's what you're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Well, we hope
3: that now that's what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. And as soon as this episode airs, you can straight up double the price on your entire sports section. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs>
4: capitalism my friends let's go
3: (laughs) well we'd like to thank you very much scott for coming along for the ride
4: the pleasure is all mine thank you so much i really do appreciate it
1: yeah is there anything you want to plug before we go out here I mean,
4: Pinwheel Records on Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media ruins your life, we are there being a part of it. So yeah, keep you can keep up with the store. We try to take photos and videos of some of the cool stuff that comes through the shop and we'll happily ship to you if you'd like as well.
3: Yeah, come so- to the shop though. There's like, like he said, there's a bunch of great record stores in Chicago. It's a fun trip just to come to Chicago, go to some record stores get some Chicago food that I'm still hankering now
0: and you can yeah, you make
4: have- a lot of bad food decisions here and sure. I am happy to point you in the right or, or the wrong direction I was Say,
0: would you like to make any official local restaurant recommendations on this episode
4: I am not here to make a political statement. Ooh. Catch me off mic and I'll tell you everything. What are your top three least favorite Chicago record stores? <laughs> uh, Pinwheel Records, number one. Uh, Urban Outfitters, number two. Yeah. How, do you feel about, noble. how do you feel about Reckless Records? Right get the real dirt. Uh, I have a friend that works at Reckless. Sean don't be a hater stop
0: being a hater You know if they would just leave The vinyl in the sleeves they'd be fine Oh my
3: god okay this has been (laughs) I'd buy that for a dollar My name is Jeremy
1: My name is Peter
4: I'm Sean And I'm Scott Thank you Scott is there a song you'd like to go out on We are going to end With the first single From the record called Heart and Soul Heart and Soul thanks bye (laughs)
3: Thank you for listening to another episode of I'd Buy That for a Dollar. Please check us out on the internet. You can find us on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, whatever. You can reach us at i Buy That Podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review, comment, come Please. on. You know the things. We always say them. Just do it. <laughs>